Mic check. Mic check. Mic check. Back for another episode. Yes, indeed. I didn't have you waiting too long this time. <laughs> but we back for another episode. Yes. Let's go. Say stick and sit a podcast. Back for another episode. Let's go. Everybody say Yeah. It's 56. And Lloyd Banks, yeah. and Young Buck, yeah. and Joe. Baby, I wanna rock and roll with you. Tear uh-huh. the club up and still hit them blocks and them shows with you. Can you picture me and you? None of Come your on. friends, no crew. We can do whatever you won't do. I take your mind off whatever you're going through. Woo! And sit back and relax to the sound of the sax. I'm hood, but that don't mean I ride around with the rest. Say, sick and sit a podcast. Look at what we got right here. Say you stick and sit a podcast. I just don't care if it's you I want. I'm gonna come and get you and see what's really good with you. Please believe I'll take you there. But first, let's see if your intellectual matches up with you. Say sick and sit a podcast. Let your head blow back. Come on. Them J-Lo jeans, girl, that ass so fat. Buck know just what to do with all that. Uh-huh. Chest to chest, so I hit it from the back. Yeah. I do it like a pro, won't nobody know. Let's pop some more, ride and listen to Joe. I just wanna let you know that ooh, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. Say sick and sit a podcast. Yes. Let's go. Place to Clap your hands, you in your car, you in your house, you at work, wherever you are, feel the energy, let's go, take stickers to the podcast.
Say Sick and Sit a Podcast. Yes. Say Sick and Sit a Podcast. We back for another episode. Yes, indeed. It's a Say Sick and Sit a Podcast. Yes. We're back for another episode. Let me officially introduce the show. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and we're back. Back for another episode. Yes, indeed. Ah, the energy is just, yeah, my energy is just is up there right now. My energy is up there right now. I had an epic, epic pregame. Epic pregame. I started off with some, uh, what I started off with, some fabulous. And then it just turned into an a, a epic G-Unit pregame. You know what I'm saying? It just flowed into a G unit. When I pregame, I just pop on the uh, YouTube, on the TV down in the tasting room, and just let the music flow. Sometimes I have certain things in mind that I know are gonna get me hype if my energy is down. But today I just let it flow, and that jump flowed into G unit, and I just kept it flowing. Yes, a taste to consider podcast. Um, me playing music in the beginning of the show um, started from um unproductive and unapologetic podcast shout out to the you and you network three stars two bars um reservation for three um separate the two podcasts unprocessed knowledge um shout out to all the podcasts as part of the you and you network check those podcasts out once again that separate the two podcasts on all streaming services, reservation for three on all streaming services, unprocessed knowledge on all streaming services, and three stars, two bars on all streaming services. Yes, indeed. It all started back then. And we we got the inspiration from, you know what I'm saying, um, the Joe Budden podcast. Um, I remember, like, and it's just me, you know, just talking at this moment. It's not even part of the outline. But I remember when we first was, like, in the group chat back in 2016 and that was around a time when uh drink champs podcast was like the podcast like that was the podcast joe button joe button podcast was around that time um but everybody was talking about drink champs but joe button podcast just shot up quickly and you know around like 2017 that's when we started the you and you podcast unproductive and unapologetic and you know uh just to have play the music you know what i'm saying in the intro of the show just gave us a little extra boost and stuff like that and it's funny because like a lot of times when when i'm thinking of songs to play um for the intro of the podcast i started out having like the intro song have something to do with the actual episode and i still try to do that to this day but sometimes, you know what I'm saying, I just be feeling feeling it and just in a certain mode. And based off of the pregame, I'll play something that just hit me. And I already had a, a song playing for this episode, but in the midst of the pregame, this was the last song that I played before I started recording or whatever. So I was like, yeah, I got to rock with this joint right here. And it's funny because I listen to Joe Budden podcast a lot. And a lot of times... 
<laughs> not saying that Joe Budden listened to my podcast, but a lot of times, like, some of the his song intros be similar to mine's, and sometimes he be when I take when I've taken weeks off and stuff like that, and I didn't record, he'd be playing songs that was already in my head and shit. So it's like you know that that intro song is just you know that that lays the foundation for a lot of the uh, how the episode is gonna go. But you know I had an epic pregame some listening going back listening to a lot of g-unit uh records and stuff like that that was a good time um lloyd banks 50 cent tony yo-yo all of them yeah so there's just a you know an inside behind the scenes inside look into <laughs> the how i do my podcasting and stuff like that um, it's just not me just coming down here in the tasting room in my basement, sitting down, turning the the um, board on and start recording. It's a lot of work. I put a lot of work into doing this. Shoot, I had to scramble today to um, get the outline together so I can record today. Um, it's Friday. Uh, yeah, so we bought the rock. Um, I mean, I got a good show for you. Um I ain't really doing too much relationship shit today. <laughs> so, man, I, I tell you, man, I don't I, I don't like doing a lot of relationship talk or whatever because a lot of people doing it, I mean, it's, it's value. It's value in my perspective and my opinions and stuff like that. But I just be feeling like, man, it's more important stuff to talk about than relationship shit all the time. But, yeah, we here. We back for another episode. Um I got a good episode for y'all, um, so let me go ahead and get into it, but um, first, um, shout out to all the YouTubers, shout out to the Spotify listeners, uh, Apple Podcast listeners, Stitcher, even though Stitcher's about to go away, Amazon Music, um, I forgot, I don't know if there's any other spots I'm on, I need to start putting my... Uh, stuff on other platforms but it's on the main platform spotify apple music youtube so you know that's that's what's important you know i ain't hard to find i'm not hard to find <laughs> oh man epic pregame like i said so yeah um it was almost to the point where it was about to be a too lit too fast um if in, for the long time listeners y'all know that episode too lit too fast where i had to where it was to the point where <laughs> I had to stop and record like multiple times because I I pregame too much. It was to the point where I even fell asleep <laughs> and woke back up and had to record again. But we here and um yeah, <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. It's good to um record. Um, I gotta do better. I know I got to do better. It was it was it was at a point where it was like I was I was sitting back and thinking about cuz this is episode 99. So the 100, the 100 episode is is coming up. The 100 episode is coming up. And I was just sitting back thinking about you know um I recently had my 4 years, 4 year anniversary back in um what was that? Uh June. I think it was June. Yeah. <laughs> It was June, but yeah, I was thinking about, you know, um, year two, year two and year three, I went on a crazy run. And that's why I'm at this point right now, because year one, 
I didn't record a lot of episodes because that's um, at that time I was still recording. You know, the You and You podcast was still recording. So I didn't feel the need to put so much effort into, you know, my my solo personal podcast. But um, year two, year three, I went on a crazy run back to back. No, excuse me, burp number one, excuse me. Burp number two, damn, burp number three, damn. Now y'all know that that pregame was epic. <laughs> but, yeah, I went on a crazy run year two, year three, and I, st- I started slowing down at the end of year three, and now we here year four. Um, the crazy thing about it is I already got episode 100 um, pretty much done. I got episode 101 pretty much done. So yeah, I'm in the um in a place where, you know, I'm trying to get back into my mode of, you know, just just moving along consistently. But next week will not I will not be recording. I will not be recording. So episode one hundred will not be coming next week. But this is a planned break. This is a planned break. Next week is the big fight. July twenty ninth, Saturday, Earl Spence Jr., Terrence Crawford. So I don't want to. I don't want to be thinking about no recording. I just want to, you know, what I'm saying, um, enjoy this big fight with the fellas. And the week after that, episode 100 is coming. So you know, look, look, look out for that. Um, I'm looking forward to it as well. So um, I got a, you know, a good, a good uh, show coming for episode 100. And I put a lot of thought into this. So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm excited. But we here right now, episode 99. This is a milestone as well because it's, it's ending, you know what I'm saying, that, that journey, that, that, that journey. And then 100 episodes, we're going to start a new journey. So I got a clip starting off um, this episode. So let me pull that clip up. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, here we go. Dang. That epic pregame, like, we only 14 minutes into the show. I already got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> already had three burps. Back to back to back. I had a three-peat of burps. But, yeah. Let me pull this clip up. You know what I'm saying? We're going we gonna to start this show off right. So, um, let me say this before I play the clip. It's still July, and July is Minority Minority Mental Health Month. Minority Mental Health Month. So, you know, um, shout out to all the people out there that, you know, is uh, taking care of their mental health, going to therapy. If you're not going to therapy, any type of work that you're doing to improve your mental health, any awareness that you have on your mental health, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Um, All the people out there, therapists, therapists. social workers shout out to all of them that's doing the work out there a lot of the people that i follow shout out to you because um you know i'm saying the work that you do um is not in vain you know it's it's definitely uh something that is important and one of the things that i do believe is a good thing about social media is the a lot of the awareness a lot of the information a lot of the tips a lot of the conversations that are being had on social media by mental health advocates such as myself um a lot of the mental health professionals 
um, that's out there as well. So shout out to you. Um, but let's get into this clip. You know, um, I thought this was a good clip to start out with. I came across it a couple of days ago in the midst of me putting the show together. So let's go. This feels a friend of mine put up a post that said, the more I heal, the less ambitious I am. And it reminded me of something that Booker T. Washington said in his book, Up From Slavery. He said when he was an enslaved boy that he wasn't allowed to have gingerbread cookies and he watched the white girls eat gingerbread cookies. And he said to himself, if I ever get free, I'm going to eat some gingerbread cookies. And that's how I'm going to know I'm free. A lot of our ambitions are directly related to our traumas you want things and status because of the way you got teased when you were young you want things and status because of the lack that you think you have when you compare yourself to others you want things and status because you need something outside of yourself to give you an identity but when you start to heal when you start to love yourself and really know who you are and tap into purpose a lot of those things don't mean anything anymore so i ask you this question why do you want the things that you want? And hey, that that that's a great clip that I came across. And um I talked about that this like what he said, I talked about that plenty of times before um on this podcast. I talk about, you know, people with the labels and the statuses and you know what I'm saying, multiple degrees and stuff like that. And it's not me saying that there's anything wrong with people, you know, having ambitions and stuff like that. But I feel like this is a great question to ask yourself, like, you know, why are your ambitions what they are? You know what I'm saying? Why are you, why are your goals what your goals are? Why are your dreams what your dreams are? And when I heard the uh, this video, it... um. I, it resonated with me and it triggered me. You know what I'm saying? It had, it had me going back to a lot of the times when I was saying this stuff. Like, and it had me thinking about my podcast and my blog and and other things that I got going on or or want to have going on. Why are these things important to me? Why am I doing these things? And you know, I uh, specifically with like the podcast and stuff like that. When I have like certain moments where you know what I'm saying I take breaks or you know what I'm saying I've had moments where I've compared myself to other podcasts or other people doing content and stuff like that. I had to like check myself. I like why am I why am I doing this? Why why do I have the desperation that I have or the urgency I have around certain things when it comes to the podcast? Is it because of my own ambitions or is it because of things that I've gone through in my life? You know, um, with dealing with depression and anxiety and how I came up and, you know, certain things that I didn't receive from my parents or certain, you know what I'm saying? Things like that, you know what I'm saying? And I think that's what a lot of people, not even a lot of people, I think that's what everybody needs to ask themselves. It's good to have goals, ambitions, dreams, and want to experience certain things and stuff like that, but... You know what I'm saying? What is the urgency around it? Like if you were in an actual peaceful place or in a secure place, would you be actually wanting to care about the things that you are trying to pursue or the things that you're trying to show 
on social media and stuff like that. Like, what is the source of it? You know what I'm saying? Where is this? Where is is there a foundation in place that pushes you to want these things? What is where? where what's the source of it? You know what I'm saying? And it made me look at like you know what I'm saying the podcast and like certain urgencies and like oh man like um why isn't things happening like this person or why isn't it hap this happening fast enough and stuff like that and it had me sitting back and like do you even enjoy doing doing the podcast anymore do you enjoy podcasting anymore like do you do you really care if you get a a large following or if you sign a contract and able to get money off of the podcast because one of the things like I used to get asked all the time when I first started podcasting are you making money off of it and stuff like that so a lot of people was like projecting onto me and I was receiving it and accepting it and taking on the things that they were saying their energy and stuff like that and it would make me question myself and make me question the podcast and stuff like that do i enjoy doing podcasting hell yeah i enjoy podcasting i enjoy talking i enjoy you know what i'm saying giving my opinion on things um i enjoy sharing my experiences um i feel like podcasting has been a a large um A large, uh, I'm trying to find the right word to describe it. It Podcasting has definitely been, played a big role in my growth of, you know what I'm saying, accepting myself, being more secure in myself, um, and just growing and evolving as, as a person, period. You know, um, one of the things that I talk about on the podcast is uh social anxiety something that i have suffered with um for years uh, and it's something that you know what i'm saying still comes up from time to time although i've greatly um improved and grown in that aspect of being more social and not caring about what other people think and you know what i'm saying being more comfortable with myself and stuff like that so podcasting has definitely played a role in it without me even understanding it at first. You know, um, I'm able to speak speak the things that I speak, push it out there in the podcasting world. You know, I'm more uh, consistent and disciplined with putting out the YouTube videos the visuals and sharing them on social media and stuff like that without worrying about what people are going to think and even when I do care I still do it because I know I got to push through and get into the habit of creating a new um space for myself or a new uh atmosphere or a new um a new What's the what's the right word? (laughs) 
y'all get it. I ain't trying to. I ain't trying to hold up the podcast by trying to figure out the new, the right word. But y'all get it. But yeah, it's just like you know, what is the, what is the source of 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 your ambitions? You know, um, I, I one of the things that. I make sure that I do is to mind my business. You know what I'm saying? I'm good at minding my business. But I see a lot of people on social media, particularly people that I actually know that I that I've had I've had a relationship with or I have a relationship with. And I see a lot of the things that they do. And by me just understanding and having personal conversations with people, I can see where like their ambitions may not be totally pure or authentic based off of conversations that I had with them and stuff like that. So I get it. You know what I'm saying? I get, um, you know, having ambitions that are more external as opposed to internal. You know, you're trying to feed the external or um, appease the external as opposed to, you know what I'm saying, actually it being your authentic self and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. So, like I said, I had an epic pregame, 25 minutes into the show, and I already got to go to the <laughs> bathroom. So, I'm going to pause it real quick, and then we're going to come back. And I'm back. So, yeah, like I was saying, you know, um, just speaking on myself and my own experience, you know, I grew up in a household where, you know, um, I wasn't seen, I wasn't heard. Um, I was put in positions where um I didn't they didn't want to hear me so you know what I'm saying I had the a certain mentality um or uh, mindset um while going through depression and anxiety you know what I'm saying I, I need to be seen I need to be heard and stuff like that you know I talked about this plenty of times before but it's like you know thinking about self-worth, self-esteem and stuff like that. So it like is your self-esteem and your self-worth or your ambitions and stuff like that tied to other people's attention and validation and praise and recognition and stuff like that. So that's one of the things that, you know, I had to work through a lot while I was, you know, while I've been in therapy and what I do outside things that I work on outside of therapy as well, you know, even, you know, I'm very self-aware of these moments when they happen. I don't always, you know what I'm saying, um, pass the test necessarily, but, you know, I'm able to recognize it. And it's something that, you know, I know that I'm not alone in doing, you know, uh, Social media has been a big player or, you know, played a big role in people needing to be seen and heard and stuff like that. That's why you you see so many people talking about personal stuff and putting their business out there that they probably shouldn't put out there, you know, because it's not like it's a situation where they're, they're speaking on their experiences to help other people. They just, you know, speaking and trying to get attention or, you know, having moments where they're they're having a quote unquote temper tantrum and stuff like that or they they in a moment where they're not emotionally mature and stuff like that. So, you know, 
we've seen it. That's why, like, <laughs> I um I I admire a lot of because I know a lot of people who who aren't on social media and don't do social media at all. I admire these people, and I and I've 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 had conversations with them, and I told them before. I was like. I admire the fact that you you feel the need that you don't feel the need to be on social media and stuff like that. And they tell me, you know, what I'm saying they still have these mom those type of moments and stuff like that, but it's just not on social media. And social media, you know how, man, like you can go viral in a second with some with some stuff. <laughs> and I'm going to talk about some of those things as well. Some of the topics, a uh, couple of the topics are tied to that as well. But um, we're going to revisit a topic from the last pod. And I'm going to pull that up right now. It's a clip. It's a clip. So I'm just going to move on to it. And, you know, yeah, we're going to discuss it. Here we go. Yes, <laughs> that was Kiki Palmer at a recent performance. So I'm going to play it again and listen to what she says. And I'll repeat it afterwards, just if you didn't hear it clearly. My booties matter. My son gave me some ass. I'm my own boss and I got my own cash. I don't need a nigga. Only thing I need is a So this ain't verbatim. Probably is because I wasn't really paying attention to remember it verbatim. But it might be verbatim. <laughs> Um, she said her her baby gave her some ass. Um, she don't need no nigga. Um, she got cash or a bag or some shit like that. So this is what I was saying when I was talking about on the last episode, like the disrespect. Like she's still out here, like whether purposely or not, she's still disrespecting her child's father. She's still disrespecting him, but. Like I was talking, she ain't never been here before. She in a position now, like she, this is what, she even said it off of this, that little clip right there. Her baby gave her some ass. She don't need no nigga. She got cash or a bag or whatever. Like, so, like I was saying last episode, she's in the mindset that, she ain't never been here before. She's never been in this position before. You know, Kiki Palmer, like I was saying last episode, she's been in the entertainment business for a long time. Like, I don't know what her current age is. I assume she's probably in her late 20s, early 30s, probably. She's been around ever since she was a kid. And she's always been like the little kitty, kitty, awkward type person and stuff like that. So... Like she said, now she had a kid, she got some ass, she got some titties and stuff like that. She getting all this attention, you know what I'm saying? Getting all the attention from the ladies, more so from the ladies than the the dudes, you know what I'm saying? And now she's feeding off that energy. Like people don't recognize how energy is contagious, negative energy and positive energy. And like... She's on a roll right now, you know, all that situation that happened with the Usher stuff and, you know, all all the backlash that her child's father got and 
all the kudos and the praise and the big ups and the recognition. And she's being seen right now. She's being seen. She's being heard in a way that she's not used to. She ain't never been here before. So she's capitalizing off of that. She's feeding off of that. Like, attention is just as much of a drug as, or substance as alcohol is, or any other drug out there. Like, it's not talked about enough how much attention is a drug or a substance that people feed off on. And she's feeding off on it. You know, I heard... um, I got some comments from the last episode and like some people was bent out of shape about the things that I said. And I'm like, and I've said this plenty of times on the podcast before. And I talked about it specifically on my trigger warning series. If you ain't hear that series, the trigger warning series, I think it was like three or four parts. Go back and listen to it. Like, and this is including me. I I understand how things can trigger you and you can get bent out of shape about it. You can get stressed out about it. You can get mad, angry about it. So I get it. But one thing that I do know, if it's triggering you to the point where it's getting you bent out of shape and stuff like that, that's because it might be true. It ain't even no might. It is true. Like it's true to you. It's true in your life. You've experienced it before or you haven't. You know what I'm saying? Evolved out of that mindset before you haven't released yourself out of that that space yet. But if you getting bent out of shape off of some celebrity commentary, then that that speaks a lot to some things that you need to deal with. Like point blank and period. Like you can be mad at me saying this and that, but I get it because. It's still things that's trigger me to this day. And I'll be like, damn, why you? And I'll talk to myself, I'll be like, why are you tripping? Why are you tripping? Like, what? why is this making you so angry? Why is this getting you bent out of shape? Because, it, you know what I'm saying? It, it's hitting me internally, you know? And it's just crazy that, you know what I'm saying, people are getting so bent out of shape about this celebrity shit. And like I said last episode, these people don't know you. They don't care about you. They, if you walk past them on the street and say hello to them, they they don't even care. They might speak back. They might not. They don't, they don't care. It doesn't matter to them. And, like, celebrities are some of the biggest people who feed off of energy. You know what I'm saying? They feed off of that. And, like I was saying, um, most women... They feed off of other women's energy. They'll 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 feed off of it and project on it onto it, or project their energy on somebody else. And you know what I'm saying? That's because women are more emotional. Women need that emotional stimulation. So as long as whatever's going on in the moment is making them feel good, whether it's right or wrong, they're gonna feed off of it because it's stimulating them. That's the difference between men and women that's why you don't necessarily see a lot of dudes feeding off of other dudes hyping them up or egging them on and stuff like that because most dudes they we operate from a logical standpoint we operate from our mind first as opposed to our emotional center 
women they feed they operate off of their emotional center first so that's where they're going to feed off of everything from the emotions if it's making them feel good if it's making them angry if it's it you know what i'm saying most women their their thoughts are irrational because of emotions it was a part in um atl uh the movie atl back in the day with ti and all of them and his uncle set him down he was like this ain't verbatim but he set him down basically said you know what i'm saying these are just feelings what did these these feelings mean right now as opposed to when you actually get over them and stuff like that you know what i'm saying so Women are going to be more irrational from the jump because they feeding off of their emotions. That's why it's a bad thing when you see dudes getting caught up into their feelings and stuff like that. Because getting wrapped up into your feelings and being irrational and all up in your emotions and stuff like that is, is more so a female trait or a female of a female nature. Men are supposed to be more logical. They're supposed to be more stable in their in their thoughts uh more disciplined in their thoughts and stuff like that not saying we aren't supposed to have emotions we supposed to feel our emotions but we aren't supposed to get wrapped up into them and let our emotions control us so that's the difference between men and women that's why it's is it's always a um uh, a tug of war when it comes to men and women having uncomfortable conversations and stuff like that because women operate from their emotions and men operate from their mental their logic um so that's why it's always you have to be mature in those situations and actually have a productive conversation <laughs> but yeah that clip was wild that you know what i'm saying i came across that clip and she just she feeding off of it, you know what I'm saying? Just straight disrespecting, still disrespecting that man. And one thing about men, respect is is like number one. Number one, respect is number one for men. We have to feel like we're respected. You know, our our words, our thoughts, our leadership, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm saying? Respect is is key for men. It's key for men. But I got another clip from Kiki. This is an old clip. But it's just so you can see how, you know, when 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 she's in a more peaceful, comfortable, logical state where she's not wrapped up in her emotions, she's not being egged on or, or fed other people's energy and projections and stuff like that. So you can see how differently she looks at relationships and how to conduct yourself in a relationship so pretty much this is a is this you <laughs> this you moment <laughs> so let me pull this uh this clip up and let me uh find this joe all right all right here we go right here Hey guys, I've been wanting to do a little video about this for a minute. Check the next slide or clip. I was dating this girl, right? And we were in a fight. She was like, I just don't know how you could hurt me and not care. And I was like, that's not true. I do care. And she was like, no, you don't. And she started crying. It was that real guttural cry. Sound like her pure life essence was in pain. That real mentally ill cry where you can tell something's not right up there. And I'm just listening. I'm like, 
damn, I feel nothing right now. Like nothing at all. And it was so liberating. I told her, I was like, you know what? You're right. I, I don't think I care. You should probably move on and find somebody else. She was like, what? She was still crying. I was like, like, I'm hearing you right now and it's not doing anything for me. I don't know if I was just, you know, pretending to care this entire time. And then I started believing. I cut it short, but he also said that if she was the one, then he probably would have cared more. And I don't really care about, you know, dragging whoever this man is. I really just think that that's a key important thing that I think a lot of people assume that when they find the one um, that they're going to all of a sudden have these magical qualities that they never had before. If you're not compassionate, emotionally available, loving, or if you're not choosing through the act of love because it's not a sentiment to show and give someone and be that kind of person, it's never going to happen. I mean, I honestly believe that even a baby could be a sociopath if they're never taught or shown these emotions at a young age like it's something that you also learn yes you can be born with it but not everybody is so you know ultimately what i'm saying is if you don't work for it you're never going to have it no one is going to be able to make you have it and if you expected them to they're always going to lose love yeah so you see she was very calm in that moment very mature in the things that she said and stuff like that you know so where was that maturity and stuff like and this is not me trying to bash her or anything like that this is just showing you the difference of a a a, a woman being in a place where she's calm not wrapped up in sore emotions not feeding off of other people's energy and stuff like that how she can be rational in that moment because what she said was very important in that clip you know, it doesn't matter whether the person is the one or not or whatever. Are you actually being compassionate? Are you showing empathy, being loving and stuff like that? But you see, she now she's in a moment where she's devolving. You know what I'm saying? That that maturity is, is gone out the window. You know, she she getting all this attention, getting all this recognition, this praise. You know what I'm saying? Feeding off of other women's insecurities and stuff like that so you gonna run with it and it's probably putting extra money in her pockets as well you know <laughs> so yeah i'm gonna end it right there with this kiki palmer stuff you know be mad if you want but hey triggers are triggers for a reason uh people for one people use the term trigger too loosely right you got to understand what triggering actually means, you know, and if you are being triggered, that is an opportunity right there for you to step back and figure out why you're being triggered. Why are you feeling the things that you're feeling outside of yourself based off of something that somebody has done, something that somebody has said, commented on, whatever. I don't, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning just as you, you know, and that's what the pod is all about. That's what a taste to consider is all about. I'm giving you a taste of what I, my opinions, the things that I've experienced, you know, it ain't, it's deep, but it ain't that deep to be getting bent out of shape over, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't want nobody coming to me trying to debate me or argue with me about some celebrity shit <laughs> like to me it's stupid and i will not entertain it because these people mean nothing to me on a personal level this is just conversation and you have to be able to have conversation as a mature adult
So I'm going to move on from from that. We done with this Kiki Palmer stuff. Unless something else happens, so you know I'm going to have to talk about it. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. Let me move on. Uh, let me see where I'm at. Okay. So I came across this clip, right? And this clip is um, it's about this this uh, this woman this, that took a trip. And I thought it was interesting because of how the backlash that she received from her commentary based off of this trip. So let me pull this clip up. Right. I thought this was real interesting. I thought it was very interesting. (laughs) All right. Let me see. Let me find it. Um, Let me see. All right. Where is that? Where is that? Okay, here we go. Here we go right here. Let me pull this up. All right, I'm going to have to start from the beginning. All right, let me see. Here we go right here. Every single influencer and TikToker who put the Amalfi Coast on my For You page over the last two months deserves jail time. Because while they showed you the gorgeous coastlines and the cute little towns, what they didn't tell you were the disclaimers. First of all, it's impossible to get here. You have to fly into Naples. Then you have to take a train from Naples to Sorrento. Then you have to stand in 90 degree weather waiting for a ferry to get on a ferry with all of your luggage. Mind you, we've been in Europe for two weeks. All of your luggage, lug it onto the ferry, get to Amalfi Coast, finally. Then, to get to the highest of the high points, the beautiful hotels with the gorgeous, this, there's no streets here. There's no cars driving. So you have to walk up 160 stairs with all of your luggage to get to the top of this gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous area with these beautiful views, carry it, and then also all the power went out because the Amalfi Coast doesn't have the infrastructure to support this tourism. Oh my God. Now, the reason why I thought this clip was interesting, because I've been having this thought for for a while, like for a couple of years. And the Amalfi Coast is definitely beautiful. It's definitely beautiful. But even before I even seen this video, like this is why I say is it's very important to understand the words that you use. You know, we see on social media all the time people traveling and stuff like that. But there is a difference. There is a big difference between traveling and vacationing. There's a difference. Two separate words with two different two different definitions. I love vacationing. I love a good vacation. I love a good vacation. But I hate traveling. One, we're going to start here. One, I have an extreme anxiety about flying. Although I've flown several times, I have an extreme anxiety about flying, right? So I'm just speaking for myself right now. So I've talked about um, this before on the podcast. My first time ever flying, right, I was going to Orlando, Florida. And the, the night before I was supposed to come back, I called my parents. I was um I was probably like 18, 19 around this time. And <laughs> I went to the National um National Association of Broadcast Journalists um convention in Orlando, Florida. 
So the night before I was about to come back, I called my parents, you know what I'm saying, have a conversation with them, you know, letting them know, you know, yeah, I'll see y'all tomorrow or whatever like that. I'm on the phone with my parents. Particularly, I'm on the phone with my mother. My dad is in the background. My mom sits there and says to me, yeah, you heard what happened to Aaliyah? I'm like, no, what happened to Aaliyah? She died on a plane crash. (laughs) Soon as she said that, I hear my dad in the background, woman, why why you telling that boy that? (laughs) I was effed up. I was effed up. Fear engulfed my whole body. Fear, anxiety engulfed my whole body. That's what I'm talking about with projections. Projections, right? So I'm sitting here like the night before. I I didn't get no type of sleep the night before that flight. So I get on the plane. Already scared. Got that anxiety going. And what made the situation worse, the whole flight back, we were in thunderstorms. So it was nonstop turbulence, plane bouncing up in the in the sky, dropping. We had a couple of drops and shit, man. You talking about scared. I ain't want to get on a plane ever again. But of course, being an adult, wanting to go and have a vacation, I have to get on planes again. So I'm just I'm just tore up every time i get on the plane every time i get on the plane i am scared i am nervous i got anxiety no matter how long or short the flight is i have anxiety about it and what's crazy is like mental health and stuff like that people don't understand anxiety people don't understand fear like people think it's the weirdest thing in the world like i've talked to people who like travel and vacation religiously like they do it it's a bible for them and i've had conversations with them and they told me like they have the same i'll be like i'm shocked that you you know what i'm saying you have that type of anxiety and that fear you always you know what i'm saying going places and stuff and they would tell me even though they've gone you know what i'm saying they've been on a plane so many times before that it don't matter you know what i'm saying so it made me feel more comfortable but i'm just like you know I love a good vacation, but I hate traveling. And it's not just because of my anxiety of getting on a plane. You know what I'm saying? I've been, um, I've took a vacation where I've driven and, you know what I'm saying, different type forms of transportation, train, all that, you know what I'm saying, bus, whatever, cruise, whatever. I've done that before, you know, but The actual traveling part is exhausting to me. It's a turnoff to me. Like, I love a good vacation, but I hate traveling. There's a difference. By the time, you know what I'm saying, once you get there to the destination, you vacation, depending on where you're going like that, you got to deal with jet lag or time difference and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? You, it's to the point where you, it's sometimes where you, you can't even really enjoy the vacation because, the travel is taking so much out of you or you anticipating the travel back home. So after watching that video, coming across that video and watching it and seeing people's comments and stuff and people just 
going on her and stuff like that i just thought it was a good topic just to <laughs> to talk about because like i understand where she coming from although i've never been to the amalfi coast and and and, and stuff like that but i get it like traveling is exhausting vacation is cool but traveling is is exhausting and it 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 got me rewinding back to the first clip that i played with the you know um people's ambitions their goals and dreams and stuff like that and i get that some people they love traveling and vacation and stuff like that that's cool but you know it's a lot of people who will particularly on social media will project on you you say it all the time on twitter and stuff like that people having these conversations about um you know what i'm saying they'll try to um put people down because they don't like traveling or going on vacations all the time like they do and stuff like that and i'm just like why are you worried about what somebody else doing like if you like traveling and vacationing just just do it like who cares like why are you worrying about somebody else who, who isn't doing it everybody's path life path everybody's journey isn't the same as yours so if you get a lot out of traveling and vacationing then cool but some people get more out of reading the book or watching a movie or you know what i'm saying a staycation or driving as opposed to flying or taking the train as opposed to flying or the bus and stuff like that people just begin so bent out of shape off of what somebody else is doing or not doing and it's just it baffles me i mean i get it i get it you know what i'm saying i get it now because i've you know what i'm saying i've grown and i've gone through therapy and i understand you know what I'm saying, the mind differently than I used to, but I just be like, you know what I'm saying, some people, they they have a fulfilling life without ever having to travel all the time, or, you know what I'm saying, not having to go on the trip every year and stuff like that, but it's like, what is your motivation for you traveling all the time and posting it on social media, like, because to me, this is just me, I know I, I feel like I can get when somebody's being authentic and they enjoying their travel and their vacation and stuff like that. And I can see when people just putting on the front. You could tell well, at least me. I can tell when people are just, you know what I'm saying, they ain't never they ain't never been nowhere before. Because they posting every damn second and minute of their vacation or their travel experience. You know what I'm saying? And not saying you can't do it. And and not saying that I'm totally right. But, you know what I'm saying, like, just let people just live their life, man. Come on. <laughs> it's just it's just outrageous to me that people just be getting so bent out of shape about other people's experiences and stuff like that. Other people's experiences, their perceptions, the way that they look at things and stuff like that, it, it has value. It matters. And it, it is it's important to them. Like, you know, I'm not saying that I get it all right because, you know what I'm saying, I may overly criticize or judge people sometimes, but, you know what I'm saying, it's just, people just be doing the most. <laughs> people be doing the most. Well, yeah, I thought that was an interesting clip and topic to bring up. But, hey, we're going to move into the Blackity Black Woke segment, and I'm going to start off just like this. The United States government is giving Ukraine $400 million dollars in military aid package so this brings the total the total 
And I'm saying the total. Y'all know what total means. $41 billion for this war that we ain't never seen no footage of. And the footage that we see is sketchy at the most. And it's just weird. The whole situation is weird. Burp number four. Burp number five. And I'm going to move on from that. <laughs> but it's just weird that we just... We just, you know what I'm saying, we just champion, you know what I'm saying, the people that's in office that's, that's you know, is just pushing this and, and allowing this to happen and being a sponsor for all of this. But continuing on in the Blackity Black Woke segment, I got a clip for y'all. And this clip is coming from Congressman, Congresswoman Summer Lee, black congresswoman, and she recently uh was questioning a DOD um employee. So let me pull this clip up. <laughs> on average does the military spend on Viagra each year? I don't have that figure. About forty one point six million. Do you know how many bridges in my district of Pittsburgh could be repaired with that amount? About to the rebuilding of the Fern Hollow Bridge, which, of course, uh, collapsed the day that President Biden happened to be coming to Pittsburgh, uh, cost about twenty five point three million to rebuild. How much did the Department of Defense spend on snow crab and Alaska king crab in 2018? I, I do not have that amount. According to open the books, it was two point three million. Do you know how much the Pittsburgh City Council spends each year serving the county's unhoused population? Only one point two million, but they're certainly not being served. Alaska King Krabs. How much did the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act authorize for shipbuilding? I do not have that particular figure. Yeah. The total amount of contract obligations uh, in it, 2022 yeah. was over $400 billion. For, for shipbuilding, it authorized $32.6 billion. Do you know how many school lunches that amount could provide to hungry children in America where for the one in eight children who go hungry, go to school hungry, that may be the only meal they get? All of them, and then some. The school lunch program cost $28.7 billion in 2022. How much is the F-35 joint program estimated to cost the federal government to produce, operate, and sustain over its lifetime? I believe the, the GAO cited that figure. I don't have it in front of me, but we can get that for you. It's about $1.7 trillion, enough to completely eradicate student loan debt, according to the Government Accountability Office. Between May 2018 and October 2022, about 1 million F-35 spare parts worth $85 million were, quote, lost, just vanished. Losing millions of dollars in assets is unacceptable. These people that y'all champion so much these politicians these these people these politicians put people in in these positions and stuff like that these bammers are lining their pockets they're hooking their friends up with these contracts and stuff like that to get their businesses you know what i'm saying all this money and stuff like that but we rather care about what kiki palmer and her child's father is doing or not doing and shit like that this is the type of stuff that pisses me off this is the type of stuff that just, just, <laughs> it pisses me off. Like, we're worrying and talking about the wrong things. The wrong things. 
like in that clip she talked about how unhoused people homeless people could be could benefit from this money that's being just thrown around like it's sunflower seeds <laughs> like you spitting out sunflower seeds like come on now i mean like school children that's going hungry you got the infrastructure in the united states just just falling apart like i would if i was a politician i would probably get killed <laughs> because my goal would be like we talk about you we hear these politicians and and stuff talk about the economy and the economy is in a good place and stuff like that and all this other stuff and but you see homeless people unhoused people whatever they want to call them you know these new terms coming out all the time kids going hungry poverty you got cities and states in our country just looking like they are in a war zone and stuff like that we could build our economy quick and easy like seriously like it is easy it is really easy but people are so blind and so much of followers that they'll believe anything that they're being told by somebody we can fix the economy just straight point blank and easy like here we go right here you got the infrastructure in the united states going downhill it's going bad roads highways bridges cities all that is going bad right it's going bad you got willing workers that are unemployed in this country that if you take if you just say okay we're going to build up the infrastructure in the country roads bridges houses cities whatever schools we're gonna build this up take these homeless people these unhoused people these unemployed people who all have skills we take this this money that that be going to outrageous things to other countries ukraine and um viagra and snow crab legs for the for the military and all this other stuff put those resources into the infrastructure employ the people who are unemployed employ the people who are unhoused and stuff like that that will build up the economy right there how for one, <coughs> excuse me for one you putting money into the economy by building the infrastructure two you putting money in the pockets of these unhoused and unemployed people which in turn they're going to spend more money they're going to put that money that they're making back into the economy and the economy is going to flourish that way that's just that's straight up easy and i know people probably listening going to listen and probably be like and how you know you ain't never experienced anything you ain't never been no politics you ain't never been no position of power and stuff like that but it's just that easy it really is just that easy. Like you literally give people jobs, give people a skill, put money in their pockets, and it will feed the economy. It is that easy. It is really that easy. But we think it's not that easy because 
we'll just blindly follow what we're being told or we don't care or we'll get caught up into a distraction or quote unquote conspiracy theory like you literally can give the money for them snow crab legs and that viagra that they give into the military and these missing parts put it into the economy put that money into these people's pockets and they're going to spend it that's how economies <laughs> are built up seriously like it is no reason for us to be worrying about some other country who has their own thing going on but we letting our our country just go downhill is it really is that easy <laughs> it really is that easy you're not going to convince me otherwise it really is that easy um i'm not a genius but i'm very intelligent i'm very smart and i know if you just give people jobs to build up this country they're going to spend that money back that's just people's nature they're going to spend money that's in their pockets <laughs> oh my goodness all right let me um let me play this clip right here um let me pull this up uh it's a clip that i've been holding on to for a minute but it speaks to a lot of the things that's going on in the world today and what I've been talking about in the blackity black woke segment. All right, where's that diagonal clip? All right, where the hell is that damn clip? All right, here we go. And right here, this clip is from the nineteen, from the early seventies, and it was from Clarksdale, Mississippi, and it's two sharecroppers discussing um, reparations and colonization in America. to still make a living on this land. Because I just don't understand why it all belonged to the white man. So much about it, I don't understand. How can he become to own something that wasn't his from the beginning? I don't know how and why. Since he didn't, he didn't cultivate it all by himself and uh, whatever it was that, that causes him to be rich now, well, he didn't do that all by himself. Well, I think that he should share it. I'll tell you a lot, I'll tell you another reason why we should share some of it, because it, uh, just, just they say their people fought and died for this land. Well, some of our people did the same thing. Our men went and fought and died for this land just as well, so as they isn't did. Once upon a time, there wasn't no machinery. And Negroes went into these lands, into these, uh, say, woods and buyers, and they, cl they cleared away all these places. And uh, in so many years, they work for nothing, simply nothing. And the rich man, white man, he gotten rich. So I figure uh, the black man should, should have uh, 
chance to make a decent living. That was a clip right there. Sorry for that uh, interruption. But yeah, that was in the 70s. And those are sharecroppers talking. Like a couple episodes ago, I talked about how my parents were sharecroppers. My parents are in their 60s. <laughs> and they were sharecroppers. Like my grandparents were, were sharecroppers. You know what I'm saying? So we're not far removed from this. So you, you hear a lot of this talk about how black people are lazy and all this other stuff. So they can push their agenda for having these these immigrants coming from South America and stuff like that coming in and and get these these jobs and, and this cheap labor and stuff like that. Black people aren't lazy. They just not getting the opportunities. It's a system in place that is pushing black people out of positions to actually provide for themselves you know black people built this country black people had played uh the the most important role in this country and the next clip that i'm gonna play speaks to that but we're so caught up into culture Right. Now, I'd use the quote terms for the YouTubers. They said the quote, quote, <laughs> the quote fingers. But we're forgetting the true culture of how hard working we are. And what. Our true foundation is in this country, you know, we we in the mindset based off of what's been told to us that we got to catch up. But we was the beginning we was the foundation we built the foundation of where this country is right now so i'm gonna move on to the next clip <laughs> but it's just it's just crazy that we forget all this 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 stuff you know what i'm saying we believe in the things that we've been told we forgetting our history we forgetting our foundation that we were the foundation and we're allowing ourselves to be pushed aside as well as our history pushed aside. And we're trying to prove our worth to people who stole from us tortured us abused us etc etc but let me move on to the next clip <laughs> all right here we go and this this clip is coming from a, um this is this clip is coming from john hope bryant he's a black entrepreneur and i'll give you the um the rest of his bio after the clip plays in the world without let me start this over couldn't have built the biggest economy in the world without us right it was actually built because of us this is true uh, the largest reverse transfer of wealth arguably in world history in modern history is black slavery that's not me making an emotional statement i'm not throwing darts it's, it's a just, fact it's a fact right. i love math because it doesn't have an opinion right 
Um, and the fact is, we're the largest economy in the world. The fact is, the first millionaire in America came from cotton, financing it out of uh, New York City. Right. And you heard he said cotton, right? So the last clip, when I played that clip, it was a video. And in the midst of them, those two sharecroppers speaking, they were picking cotton. Uh, the fact is that black slaves were worth more than railroads. Our railroads were arguably the most valuable asset in right. the 19th and uh, part of the 20th century. Blacks were worth twice that. Um, the fact is that we uh, worked for free for 270 some odd years. Um, nothing better than free labor. Mm -hmm. And and the fact is that we couldn't create, uh, well, we couldn't create assets because we were assets. Right. Bought, trade, insured, finance, underwritten. We were... We couldn't create assets because we were assets. You hear what he's saying? He said that the work that black people was doing was larger than the railroads. And the railroads in the 19th and 20th century was a big economy. But black people were way more of an asset than the railroads, railroads were. <laughs> You got to put this in context, like a lot of the stuff that we hear about our history as black Americans, Aboriginal Americans. Is not the full truth. It's not like all the slavery movies and shows and documentaries that we've seen and stuff. That is half of what really went on. Because they're not going to let us know the full truth of what happened. So if you were triggered and. And, bent, and stressed and bent out of shape, angry, mad about the things that we've already seen. That doesn't compare to what really happened and what our ancestors really went through. They're they not going to let us know that because then we're going to rebel. We're going to know that our worth is more than what they're telling us or what we believe it is. Literally, whether if you're a bank, if you're a finance company, if you're an insurance company, if you're a trading company, I mean, one out of five people in the world at a certain point in the 1800s were involved or connected to cotton. Well, where did cotton come from? In the world. It came from us. Right. <laughs> uh, slavery was dying as an... Cotton is, is indigenous to this, this country. A lot of the banks, J.P. Morgan and stuff like that, a lot of those banks on a lot of the stuff that's on... Is on Wall Street, the New York Stock Exchange and stuff like that. They came to power because of slavery. Industry until the cotton mill came along and they needed us to work to it. it. But this perception that we were these. We were the machines. You you got all this outpouring, this, all this news and stuff coming out about, about AI and all this other stuff. Um, artificial intelligence and stuff like that. We were the AI before AI was in existence. We were the machines before the machines were in existence. We were the free labor. Sort of simpletons that were brought from Africa halfway around the world just because we were free labor, that's also a fallacy. Right. The reality is we were agricultural geniuses. No you see what he said? You heard what he said, right? You said that it wasn't a thing of us coming from Africa. <laughs> That's a fallacy. That's a fallacy. 
we were already geniuses in the agriculture because why? Because we were already here. We already knew the crops here. We already knew what was grown here. We already knew what was valuable here because we were already here. We were already here. No one understood land like we did. Right. If you had no one, slow. no one understanded land like we did. You just, just, just close your eyes for a moment and think about this. Right. Close your eyes for a moment and think about this. If we are, just think about the job that you're at right now. Okay. Think about the job you're at right now. When I hope your eyes are closed. When you came to that job that you're at right now, you had to be trained in it, right? Because you knew nothing about it. You weren't already there, right? So think about Africans. If Af Africans were shipped over here, how did they know how to tend to a land that they, didn't, they knew nothing about? How did they know about the agriculture that was here before they got here how did the europeans the from spain france all those other countries over in europe how did they know because they wasn't over here as as well they wasn't over here before we got over here they wasn't over here before the africans got over here the quote-unquote africans got over here right so how did they know about the land if they knew about it, they would be doing it themselves, right? So what? how were these Europeans able to train these so-called Africans on how to tend to a land that they knew nothing about? Please tell me this. Please tell me this. It doesn't make logical sense. Take your emotions out of this situation. That's why I say close your eyes. Close your eyes. Take that sense away right now so you can just concentrate on your mind. If a people were able to be geniuses in agriculture of a land that they knew nothing about, how is that possible? <laughs> you got to think about Africa and the crops that they have over there, the, the, the vegetables, fruits, and stuff like that. Some things are similar. Yes, they are. But there's a lot of stuff that is indigenous to this land that is not indigenous to Africa and vice versa. So how did they make such a profit? How did they organize the this this economy of sharecropping and slavery and stuff without any knowledge of what was already over here? We were already here. We were already here. These products that require a certain soil and the environment for that soil make it hard to operate in that environment. <laughs> and it's hard to re-nurture that soil to get it to work again. You need... The truth is like, the truth is right in front of our face, but we don't want to believe it because we rather believe what somebody else is telling us. We were already here. We already knew what was grown here. 
is the, we already knew the soil. We already knew the environment. We already knew the weather over here. The weather over here is different than it is over in Africa. The soil is different over in Africa than it is over here. It was people already here before this so-called slave trade. Now, I know I'm going a little beyond some people's train of thought or their mindset, but you have to understand that the stories that we've been told are fallacies. I'm using his term at this point, fallacies. They're fallacies. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> People who understand harsh environments and who have successfully taken soil and brought it back to life. Mm -hmm. That's Africa. That's Africa. And that's Africans. Mm -hmm. So it was very intentional for folks to go halfway around the world. And that's where I would, I would disagree with this portion of his statement. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Now, I know people are going to be turned off by the things I'm saying and stuff like that, but I've talked about this before. And this is coming from word of mouth and me doing research, my brother doing research on my family, my ancestry and stuff like that. Everybody, every black, quote unquote, black person here is not from Africa. It's just not, that's not the case. And I know that's hard from, for some people to believe because of the years of um, programming and, and education, quote-unquote education that we've been put placed upon us, but that's not the case. There's a lot of factors that, that play a part in this, and I don't want to go too much into it because of the pod, how um, the time of the pod and stuff like that, but... Thinking about phenotype, if you don't know what phenotype is, look it up, Do use your Googles and stuff like that. There's a difference between Africans and actual, quote-unquote, black Americans or, quote-unquote, Negroes or, quote-unquote, African Americans and stuff like that. The Africans will even tell you themselves that we aren't the same. That doesn't mean that we aren't distant cousins, but we aren't the same. If you look throughout history and, and stuff like that, you look at the aboriginals from each and every country. Look up aboriginals from each and every country and continent on this planet. And what, what would they be? Black people. Black people. Not saying that the origin may, may not be from Africa, but we were here before. We knew the land, we knew the crops, all that other stuff. But, hey, I'm just rambling at this point. I know, I know. <laughs> Taste to consider. Get us and bring us halfway back around the world and put us to work. But they had to, they didn't like the attitude. They didn't like the, couldn't have built the biggest economy in the world. Yeah, so. Without um, us. Right. John and put us John Hope John Hope Bryant. Sorry about that. John Hope Bryant. He's um he's a entrepreneur, founder and CEO of Operation Hope, Promise Homes Company, and the Bryant Group Ventures. He's a best-selling author, Up from Nothing. 
Um, yeah, so that's who that clip came from. So, yeah. There will always be a difference of opinion when it comes to history and stuff like that. That's my opinion on it. That's his opinion on it. You know, everybody will have different opinions. But what I would say is choose genealogy first. Look up your genealogy. Talk to your elders in your family. It ain't no coincidence where it's always been this talk of, oh, this person must got Indian in their family and stuff like that. This this just not talk. You know what I'm saying? It's context to all of that. But I'm going to move on from that because I know some people might be getting triggered or bent out of shape about it. <laughs> all right. So um, let me pull up the next topic. Let me pull up the next topic. Um, let me see. All right. So I came across this post, and it's from the Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve, a non-government agency that is in charge of the interest rates and stuff. <laughs> it says, in the third quarter of 2022, the nation's white households had $124.5 trillion in assets as measured by the Fed. In comparison, all black households had under $8 trillion in total assets. White households held more than 80% of the nation's assets in 2022. Speaking to the fact of the systems that's been in place, the history of this country, and how we are particularly behind the eight ball when it comes to assets, household assets. And household meaning, you know, the actual families and the wealth that they hold. And that could be um, stocks and bonds, real estate, such and such. Um, but. I thought it was relevant because of the clips that I played based off of the the slavery facts, the last clip and the sharecropper facts and how um, we we think that we got it going on. Black excellence and all that other stuff like that. But we still are behind. We're so concerned about, you know, what I'm saying rubbing shoulders with the the white man and, you know, um proving ourselves and and keeping up with the Joneses and stuff like that, but we're still far behind. This uh, article from the Washington Times says, the federal agency reported last week that 267,000 out of 300,000 workers who lost their jobs in recent months were black, reversing a trend that generally moved in the other direction the past two years. That was just the headline. So let me pull up the actual article. I didn't read this article in advance. Because I wanted to have it for the show. So let me pull up um, the article. It says black Americans make up up 90 percent of unemployment surge, but labor agency hesitant to call it larger trend. So you've heard plenty. You. 
well, I ain't going to say you heard, but I've seen plenty of um, press conferences from the Biden administration talking about how the economy is great and how our community and stuff is is in a good place and unemployment is 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 gone down and stuff like that. But let me just read some of the article. It says black Americans have made up nearly 90 percent of adults newly unemployed. And this article came out July 13th, 2023. And right now we're July 21st. <laughs> so it says black Americans have made up nearly 90 percent of adults newly unemployed since April, according to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The federal agency reported last week that 267,000 of 300,000 workers who lost their jobs in recent months were black, reversing a trend generally moving in the other direction during the past two years. In a statement emailed Thursday to the Washington Times, the Bureau of Labor Statistics Division of Labor Force Statistics said it was too early to draw any conclusions from the data. Sure, sure. <laughs> It's getting close to election time, so sure they will say that. Quote, while the unemployment rate for blacks appears to have ticked up in the past few months, data for additional months are needed to determine if this is part of a larger term trend. End quote, the statement said. As always, we'll be looking closely at labor market performance in the coming months to determine if there are changes in trends, both overall and for major demographic groups, such as blacks, end quote. Some labor market analysts reached for comments said the report confirms that widespread layoffs in the technology and service industries have hit blacks harder than other workers this year. We can't just sit here and just think this is a fucking coincidence, man. Come on. But we keep looking at it in terms of we voting, um, we voting for the lesser of two evils or we so caught up into hating this person that we voting for this person or we don't like the messenger as opposed to the message that we going to support this person. This shit is stupid. And that's why what Malcolm X said years ago, back in the 60s, that black people are emotion are uh, politically immature. We are politically immature. We're political chumps. Because we'll just follow behind and just vote based off of our emotions. We'll vote based off our emotions with being followers to these people who don't do nothing for us. And I'm not sitting here saying that because Democrats ain't doing nothing for us that we should vote for Republicans. No, I ain't saying that. What I'm saying is we shouldn't vote for neither one of them until they start giving us the things that we need and want. So back to the article. There has been a, quote, George Floyd, end quote, effect there. No, let me read that again. There has been a, a quote, George Floyd effect, end quote, of corporations quietly purging affirmative action hires made in response to social justice protests, said Eugene Dillon, a California based business consultant specializing in equity, inclusion and diversion. He said Floyd's 2020 death in Minneapolis police custody led to corporate commitments to implement affirmative action policies. Those hiring co commitments have rapidly evaporated with fears of a looming reception, recession. 
Quote, while millions of black Americans were hired, the efforts often stopped there. End quote. Mr. Dillon said in an email, quote, there was a failure to create a welcoming environment or allocate resources for the in-depth work required to bring about systematic change. Consequently, when the economy became unstable, these individuals were seen as expendable, resulting in them being the first to lose their jobs, end quote. Big tech companies have terminated positions responsible for ensuring racially diverse workforces. Apple, Google, Facebook, parent company Meta have laid off tens of thousands of workers this year. Tech layoffs have fueled a 33% turnover rate for equity, inclusion, and diversity. Employees compared with 21% of other workers, a study from Revelio Labs found this year. Microsoft announced last week that it would cut 276 employees in its home state of Washington, adding to 10,000 layoffs announced in January. So what that's saying to me is that black people are the first to be let go. And I have experienced this when I'm I've been working as a federal contractor for years since 2001. It's 2023. So at one point when I was a federal contractor, I had two jobs at that time, two federal contracting jobs. My my full-time job was a federal contractor. That was my full-time job. I was working for, uh, I was a federal contractor for a government agency. Uh, I'm not going to give all of the information for security reasons <laughs> but i had a part-time job as well as a federal contractor and that part-time job i was doing um maintenance and um um cleanup work right so that part-time job i had that part-time job actually before i actually had the full-time job i was working a part-time job um in my early years of my undergrad it was just a part-time job i was working in the evening in a federal building where i was um doing maintenance work and cleanup work and stuff like that so um i eventually left that that part-time job when i got my full-time job while i was continuing going in my undergrad so when i was um in the process of getting my townhouse i since i had a relationship and i was still working in that that actual federal building, I was able to get that part-time job again so I can get some extra money for my down payment and stuff like that. So at that part-time job, since it was maintenance and cleanup and stuff like that, majority of the, the staff was black and Hispanic people or Latino people. Um, so when they... When I was back at that part-time job, excuse me, Burp number seven or eight, eight or nine, they started doing layoffs again. So since I had left and came back, I lost my seniority. So when they had to start doing layoffs, the first people who were being laid off were the black people. And the managers that was in place of that part-time job were Hispanic and Latino. So they were looking out for their people. 
and they were letting go the black and the black people. Like I even got to the point where I went and did a um, e e e e o c complaint against them, and we went through this whole process because I felt as though that my me being laid off was um, rate was racially motivated. Went through the whole process and stuff like that. They offered me a certain amount of money, and I didn't want to take that money because I felt as though that me taking that money would just been letting that go. So I didn't take the money, and I ended up not winning my EEOC case. Um, hindsight, I still wouldn't have took the money. I still would have went through the whole process of fighting it because just based off of what I read to you in the article, all this stuff will always be racially motivated. And at times that we live in now with more and more of Hispanics and Latinos coming over in this country, they're going to um, give them first dibs on a lot of the job positions and stuff like that because that is a extra base for the Democratic or the Liberal Party, right? So I ended up not uh, winning my EEOC case and all that other stuff, but I was glad that I went through the process or whatever because by them just offering offering me the money proved that I was right in filing that claim and stuff like that they knew they was wrong but ju this just speaks to it says the unemployment rate rose to 4.6 last month for hispanics the asian american rate was 3.2 it says according to the federal point report blacks face a six percent unemployment rate in june about twice that of 3.1 percent rate for whites blacks traditionally have had double the unemployment rate of whites and Bureau of Labor Statistics data. And what's key about that is a lot of the Hispanics and Latinos that come over here, they don't identify as Hispanics or Latinos. They identify as white people. So I'm going to end it right there with this topic because what I want to do with this podcast, and that's why it's called A Taste to Consider, I want you to consider everything that I bring up. I want you to actually take time to use your critical thinking skills, use your research skills, because we all got research skills to this day, this day when it comes to our cell phones. You can just go on Google. Use your Googles. Come on now. <laughs> but, yeah, this is the country we live in. This is this is what is going on right now. You know what I'm saying? We get so caught up into these distractions with this, quote, unquote, black culture and shit that we got going on that we we we're severely behind the eight ball and then when it comes to the last minute we're scrambling and we really don't have no leverage we don't have no status quo and this comes from even with what i talked about with the affirmative action stuff or whatever we complaining about all this stuff at the last minute but we can't really do nothing because we wasn't paying attention when we were supposed to pay attention and that's why it we gotta we gotta watch out for a lot of these celebrities and stuff like that that we follow because they're part of the system they're part of the plan we don't it may be a conspiracy theory to a lot of people but a lot of these celebrities and stuff like that so starved for for attention and money and stuff like that they, they're part of the game right there they part of the scheme you know what i'm saying
That's why when even going back years, you you see Puffy talking about some voter die and all that other stuff like that. This is a campaign for them to rub their shoulders or get incentives and stuff like that. They wasn't looking out for our best interests because if they was, it wouldn't be no voter die. It would be reparations or die. Build up our communities or die. Feed the homeless or die. Get better schools and resources or die. Come on now. But I know y'all ain't trying to hear me. <laughs> All right. Let me move on from that Federal Reserve post um, and the, uh, the unemployment post. Uh, let me see right here. Um, let me let me talk about this real quick article I came across a while ago so I thought to bring it up because it was relevant black people this is a CNN article it came out July 17 2023 black people in red line neighborhoods face higher risk of heart failure black adults living in zip codes historically impacted by red line redlining having eight percent higher risk of developing heart failure than black adults in non-redline areas a study published monday in the american heart association's scientific journal circulation says during the early 20th century u.s banks routinely engaged in a racist lending practice known as redlining which denied loans and insurance to people of color seeking to purchase houses outside of undesirable areas of cities the practice began in the 1930s, amplifying segregation, and was eventually banned in the late 1960s. Or was it? <laughs> or was it? I mean, we can still look at redlining today and it's still happening. I mean, we, you, you got to be for real. Quote, among black adults living in historically redlined communities, approximately half of the excess risk of heart failure appear to be explained by higher levels of socioeconomic distress, end quote, the AHA said in a news release. Increased risk of hypertension, hypertension and type 2 diabetes are among the other ailments that disproportionately affect black residents in these neighborhoods, according to previously AHA research. Quote, although discriminatory housing policies were effective, effectively outlawed nearly half a century ago the relationship between historic redlining practices and people's health today gives us unique insight into how historical policies may still be exerting their effects on the health of many communities end quote study co-author dr sharia rio a cardiologist and assistant professor in the department of internal medicine at the university of texas health science center as San Antonio said in a statement, researchers analyzed data on more than 2.3 million residents who were enrolled in Medicare between 2014 and 2019 by linking it with residential zip codes across the U.S. The analysis included 801,452 participants who identified as black adults and nearly 1.6 million participants who self-identified as non-Hispanic white adults. You see what I was saying earlier about Hispanics and Latinos identifying as white people, and you see identified as non-Hispanic. See what I'm saying? All this stuff correlates with each other. Unlike black adults, the study found 
that white adults living in communities with a high proportion of redlining did not have a higher risk of heart failure. Quote, these findings show us the harm that discriminatory and racist housing policies have had on generations of black adults and suggest the long-term impact of such policies on cardiovascular health disparities, end quote, said Dr. Am- Am- Ambarish Pandey, another co-author and assistant professor in the Department of Internal Medicine at UT Southwestern Medical Center. So I'm going to stop there. It's, it's, it's a... Um, it's a long article, and it's, the title of the article is Black People in Red Line Neighborhoods Face Higher Risk of Heart Failure. So, what I find interesting about this article, okay, I live, I live in a black, uh, a quote-unquote black neighborhood, townhouse neighborhood. I, I live in a townhouse. Town, the neighborhood is, is full of townhouses, right? So, the street outside of the neighborhood, you have tons of fast food restaurants and liquor stores. You got Wendy's, McDonald's, KFC, Burger King, Checkers, Bojangles, um, Subway, uh, Lido's, um, uh, uh, Wingstop. We got every fast food, Taco Bell, we got every fast food restaurant on this one street across from my neighborhood other than Chick-fil-A. Even got Chipotle. A grocery store around here just closed last Sunday. Little, Lytle, whatever you want to pronounce it, L-I-D-L, grocery store. The grocery stores that we have around here is Safeway, Aldi, and save a lot. That's it. And we got a Target. They got some groceries in there. But other than that, that's my neighborhood. I live in a black neighborhood. This neighborhood is in Prince George's County. Prince George's County is the 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 largest and most richest black county in the country, in the United States. I live in Oxon Hill, Maryland. I I grew up in a couple of parts of Prince George's County, Capitol Heights. I lived in lived in Suitland as a little kid, lived in Capitol Heights and moved to Largo. Largo is like a affluent black uh city in Prince George's County. My parents still live there to this day. Middle class, upper middle class. And it's different from Largo to where I'm living at now is different from Largo to Capitol Heights and Suitland or whatever as far as the grocery stores and fast food places and stuff like that Largo you have some fast food places Largo like I said is middle class upper middle class so it's different than where I live now Oxon Hill is a little bit more of a black community as well as a Hispanic community so down down this one street Oxon Hill Road all those fast food restaurants and liquor stores, right? So this is what that article is really speaking to, right? So, and this is across the the United States. When you think about poor, um, low class uh, black communities or lower middle class or maybe in the mid middle class, that that's how the community is. 
a lot of fast food, a lot of liquor stores, tobacco um, stores. It's a lot of tobacco stores around here. Um, so that redlining is is part of the system, part of the white supremacy system, you know. So this is by design. They want us to be in bad health. I live in the the quote unquote suburbs of the D.C. area, the D.M.V. area. So if I if I drive across the bridge to northern Virginia, the grocery stores and stuff are different. You got Wegmans. You got um, uh, shit. I don't even know the name of the grocery stores because I don't even shop at them. Wegmans. What's the other junk? Damn, the junk that started with a um, the 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 grocery stores are different. I can't even. I don't even know. I don't even. We don't have no WalMarts in my area. The WalMart is across the bridge. Um, shit. What is that damn grocery store that started with a T? It's gonna. It's gonna. <laughs> It's gonna um it's gonna hurt me. Grocery uh grocery store. <laughs> I'm trying to look it up right now. Um Damn, I can't think of it. Let me let me open up Instacart and see. <laughs> Cause I gotta I gotta I gotta get this right. Yeah. Um you got the Wegmans. In the in the nice areas in Virginia, Northern Virginia, and stuff like that, um, Harris Teeters, um, in the nice parts of Virginia, in the nice parts of D.C. Um, what else? Um, y'all y'all get the point though. But around here, we got the Dollar Trees, the Dollar Generals, and the Aldis, the Save a Lots. We got that one Safeway. Before the before the little or the little, it was a shoppers, shoppers food warehouse. Some people does not that don't live in this area that's listening or watching don't know what a shoppers is, but it was more of a like a a discount grocery store and stuff like that. So like I said, the little or the little went out of business. They went out of business because people wasn't shopping there. People people in this area more fixed on, you know what I'm saying, going to the discount places and stuff like that. So yeah. This article about the 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 black people, um, black people in red line neighborhoods face higher risk of heart failures by design. You know what I'm saying? All these fast food restaurants, all the liquor stores, the tobacco is bad health. You know what I'm saying? Even if we got a good uh, grocery store around here, majority of the people wouldn't shop there because they would look at it like it's too expensive or they don't they don't understand the value of of shopping and getting better quality produce and stuff like that so we're set up for failure we're just straight set up for failure (laughs) like this isn't this is by design straight by design but um let me move on uh this was a topic that i thought was interesting um here we go this is uh China is China is editing Bible passages. They are purposely editing Bible passages. They're rewriting the Bible and and other sacred texts like the Quran and stuff like that because they don't want the influence of America infiltrating their country. Um yeah, so let me play this clip. All right, now, all through this year, China has been scrutinized and 
criticized by the international community for detention of Muslims. But that has not deterred Xi Jinping. He now wants to rewrite the Bible and the Quran. You heard that right. China makes everything and that includes religious texts. China publishes the highest number of copies of the Bible and now it wants to edit them as well. And you heard what he said. I know it's hard to understand him because of his accents, but he said China produces the highest number of the Bible, the highest, the highest number of copies of the Bible. Now you could call this censorship of religious texts. You could call this meddling in religious affairs. China plans to do it. The reports say that China wants to translate religious books. Government censors will go through them and anything undesirable, anything that does not confirm to the communist ideology, believe it or not. So they're trying to keep a certain ideology in place. So they're editing religious texts so that won't happen. And my thing is, like, this is something that I feel as though has been commonplace. Like, I feel as though this is something that has gone on before we were even born or thought of our parents were born like i feel like this is something that has gone on for centuries like i feel like i understand people are you know into their religion indebted in their religion you know um focused on their religion i'm trying i'm saying a whole bunch of different adjectives or words to to describe it, I know people are into their religion, um, but we got to be careful about the interpretation of the religion and what is being given to us. And this is what I'm talking about as far as, you know, what I'm saying just following along with what is given to us and and not paying attention to it and believing everything that's being told to us. This is this shows you right here that that people do this, you know, what I'm saying and. That's why it's important, like, I don't want to get all religious and stuff up in here. It's important to have your own relationship with God, whoever that God is to you. You know what I'm saying? Um, but this is the thing. Like, we we know this. Like, even just going back to the clip about the slavery or whatever and how they interpreted the Bible in order to enslave our ancestors or whatever you know what i'm saying so i had to point this out because this is this is the times we live in right now like even the sacredness of religion and spirituality is off the table they 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 fiddling with that they changing that talk about pronouns gender wars um lgbtq stuff or body um autonomy and stuff like that people are playing with everything and it's like so what are your values what are your morals who do you believe in who do you follow like these are questions that we have to ask ourselves it also be edited out of the religious texts China calls this a religious system with Chinese characteristics. Reports say that a group of 16 experts has been appointed for this purpose, that the order to edit religious... We just don't know what the hell this country is going to be in the next couple of years. We, 
this world. We don't know what this world is going to be in the next couple of years because people are fiddling with it based on on their own uh their individual ideals or how they want to control people. Like um it was a um it's a Denzel Washington movie that if you haven't seen it you should see it because it shows you it it talks about the importance of religion and religious texts. And that movie is called The Book of Eli. And in that movie, The Book of Eli, the the villain, the antagonist in it, who Gary Oldman played, great actor, he was searching. The, the, the time period in this movie was post-apocalyptic. That's what a lot of movies these days are, <laughs> which is probably a sign of what's to come. But I digress. But in that movie, he's searching for a book, and he got he he got his uh his minions going out searching for this book, and that book is the Bible. He wants to find the Bible because he knows how powerful the Bible is, and how people will follow behind. That book, that power, that those those religious texts. And the only Bible that's in existence in this movie is held by Denzel Washington. I'm not for the people who haven't seen, I'm not gonna give you all the spoil spoilers of the movie, but they cross paths with each other, and there's a conflict because of this book and the power of it. And Gary Oldman, who's the villain, the antagonist in the movie, he wants to create a new a new world, a new civilization. But he knows that he can't do that unless he has the power of that religious text. But Denzel Washington holds the key and they're battling for that power. But Denzel Washington knows the power of the book, but he wants it to be used in a different way than Gary Oldman, the villain, the antagonist wants to use it. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. But we see how important religion is and how powerful it can be, but people are playing with it. People are using it for their own agendas and stuff like that. And we have to... and. It ain't even no thing that we have to assume. We know. We know that they we know that this has been done throughout time. Like I've referenced already with the slavery and how the slave masters and stuff like that use the Bible for their purposes to um defend or use slavery for their own good. But I'm going to leave off with this last portion of the Blackity Black Woke segment. And this is just a shout out to Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving donates $40,000 to 93-year-old fighting developers over land owned by family since Civil War. That's the title of it. I know it's kind of all over the place, but it says South Carolina's Josephine Wright filed a countersuit against Bailey Point investment llc accusing the company of harassing 
and intimidation in an attempt to force her into selling her property. Um, let me see. Um, I want to make sure I get the important things of the article. It says Wright has called the 1.8 acre Hilton Head property home for 30 years after she and her husband retired, according to USA Today. She has lived alone since 1998 when her husband passed away. In 2014, Bailey Investment LLC bought all the land around Wright's property. The company attempted to buy her plot a few years ago with a lowball offer of $39,000, but she declined. Over the past year, Bailey Point has become a nuance to Wright as they work on a 147-home division subdivision. Wright claims her car and home were covered in dust after trees were cut down. The tires of her vehicle were flattened and a snake was once found hanging from her window. The company filed a lawsuit against Wright in February, claiming her screened-in porch shed and satellite dish encroached on its property. Bailey pointed seeking just, quote, just and adequate compensation for his losses and conveniences, aggravation, unnecessary expenditures of time and efforts, and disruptions, end quote, end quote. Wright filed a countersuit accusing Bailey Point of deploying, quote, a consistent and, and constant barrage of tactics of intimidation, harassment, trespass to include this litigation in an effort to force her to sell her property, end quote. Quote, Wright has been deprived of the peaceful enjoyment of her property. Her property has been damaged and she has been threatened, end quote. Her suit reads. Tyler Perry shared Wright's story on Instagram in June and offered up any assistance he can provide, writing, quote, please tell where to show up and what you need to fight, help you fight, end quote. Under his post, Meek Mill commented, quote, corporate bullying at its finest, this superhero status, end quote, um, whatever that means. But yeah, so just shout out to Kyrie Irving, Tyler Perry, Meek Mill, all the people who are getting involved in this situation. And this is what I'm talking about. We get so caught up into this bullshit with this celebrity stuff and these distractions and Beyonce and all this other stuff. I ain't trying to be calling out Beyonce, but I'm just saying, like, come on, people. It's stuff out here that's really going on that we are just forgetting about. And I'm over the two-hour two mark right now, but y'all got two weeks to listen to this episode, so I ain't trying to hear no excuses. So I'm going to end it off with this topic right here. This topic has been um, just just totally um, <laughs> taking over the quote-unquote black culture or black social media. And that's the Carly Russell um, incident where she was allegedly abducted. So I'm going to end off with this. And. And I and I knew about this 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 incident last episode, but I didn't want to comment on it because I was like, let me just sit and wait and just let stuff, you know, <laughs> settle before I comment. And I'm glad I did. So here's a clip that I'm going to play in reference to the Carly um, Russell incident. What up, Nurse Gang? What up, TikTok? So the update I never wanted to truly have to report on. So we've all been talking about the Carly Russell case. This is her Instagram, Carly. Over the last few days, you know, she shocked the nation and black women all over the country felt empowered. We felt finally pleased that America 
was caring about black women. Every new national news outlet was reporting about Carly Russell. This is the first time this has ever happened. The hunt was on to find this black girl. But then when she showed up at her house, yeah, it got a little greasy. Why did it get a little greasy? Because she just showed up. So then that's when the world got divided. Wait, what's going on? Something is not right here. Okay, we don't want to speak. We want our privacy. Something is going on. What is going on? Well, when you start talking about something, people start DMing you the truth. It looks like 50 people from Hoover have already got fired for leaking what's really going on with this case. And it's trickled into my DM. So you mean to tell me all this was because she was trying to get back at her ex-man? Yeah, that boyfriend that spoke out about her being kidnapped and held and tortured. Yeah, that was her ex-man. And he actually cheated on her with a stripper. And Carly had it out with the stripper. And to get back at him, yeah, she disappeared herself. And then got afraid when it blew up. This is what Carly said to the side chick. Itch, please. He told me everything you said about me and you thought I told him to say that. I wasn't even with him. You're delusional AF if you think your little conversation was anything more than convenience and the fact that he used you to get back at me out of anger. You want to talk about I don't compare to you on your worst day, girl, bye. You're miserable or at least should be being a stripper to provide for a child I've heard you've had from multiple people. So not surprised you don't know who your baby daddy is. Mention me or contact my N-I-G-G-A again. And you'll see I'm not the one to play with. You don't want you and your whole family touched. You're poor. I'm rich. You're a stripper. I'm a nurse. You're ugly. I'm beautiful. You could never. You're the bottom of the barrel. Someone from the police department just could not watch us all suffer. So they released these details. Here's the update. She's sticking to the story that she was abducted. She says she was lured into the woods by some people who live in the woods, described as a person with orange hair, balding on top, tied her up and drove her around and put her in an 18-wheeler and fed her cheeses for two days, and they painted her nails. They kept her on 150 somewhere, and somehow she managed to get away and run through the woods to her neighborhood until she got into her house and then goes into the hospital. Hoover got some ring doorbell footage from her neighborhood, and it just shows her walking casually until she gets close to her house and then she starts sprinting and flailing arms and acting a fool she got caught stealing from work that day fell out of nursing school and has been on drugs she had her friend behind her and that's who picked her up she was with her friend all weekend the police knew she was safe because she unblocked her ex while she was quote unquote un abducted she planned to disappear and realized it wasn't going to work all right well, i'm gonna say this uh from jump, I thought the the story was sketchy, but it's too many black women and children that have been abducted and still missing to this day that I didn't want to jump towards to not believing the incident, but it did sound sketchy. And it's unfortunate that if all of this is true, is really true because there's so many black women out here that are still missing to this day that they didn't get this type of coverage and still aren't getting this type of cover coverage, black women and black children. And it's very disheartening, it's very discouraging, it's, it's, it makes you angry because I definitely feel as though that the, all this stuff with sex trafficking and stuff is true and particularly with black women being missing and stuff you know um i feel you know what i'm saying i feel that it, all this stuff is is true and to have somebody use that f for whatever reason that they you know 
have is is unfortunate. Um, a lot of information is still coming out, but um, yeah, <laughs> it is unfortunate. It, um, Hoover police reveal Carly Russell's cell phone search history before abduction, and this is where a lot of the stuff gets really sketchy and discouraging. It says Hoover PD before the disappearance, Carly Russell's search history read, quote, taking money from a register without being, quote, caught, end quote, quote, one way bus ticket, end quote, quote, do you have to pay for an Amber Alert, end quote, the film, quote, taken, end quote, and, quote, how to take money from a register without being, quote, caught, end quote, <laughs> um, so here's the press conference. Here's a couple of clips from the press conference that the Hoover police did. During the statement, she told detectives that while traveling down the interstate, she saw a baby walking down the side of the road and called 911. She stuttered when she got out of her vehicle to check on the child, a man came out of the trees and mumbled that he was checking on the baby. She claimed that the man then picked her up and she screamed. She stated he then made her go over a fence she claims he then forced her into a car, and the next thing she remembers is being in the trailer of an 18-wheeler. She stated that the male was with a female. However, she never saw the female, only hearing her voice. She also told detectives she could hear a baby crying. She told detectives the male had orange hair with a big bald spot on the back. She said she was able to escape the 18-wheeler and fled on foot, only to be captured again, and then was put in a car. She claimed she was then blindfolded was not tied up because the captor said they did not want to leave impressions on her wrists. She said that they took her into a Yeah, that was just weird. The, you know, what she said, that the captors didn't want to leave impressions on her wrists. Like, it's too, it's, it's, it's too much explanation going on right there, but moving on. <laughs> Giving her time to rest. Detectives continue analyzing data from Carly's cell phone that was left behind at the scene. We enlisted the help of the United States Secret Service in conducting this analysis. Part of what data includes several internet searches in the days leading up to their disappearance that I think are rele very relevant to this case. On July 11th at 7.30 a.m., the term, do you have to pay for an Amber Alert was searched. On July 13th at 1.03 a.m., the day of her disappearance, the term, how to take money from a register without being caught, was searched. On July 13th at 2.13 a.m., the day of her disappearance, the term Birmingham bus station was searched. On July 13th, 2.35 a.m., a search for a one-way bus ticket from Birmingham to Nashville was conducted with a departure date of July 13th. On July 13th at 12.10 p.m., a search for the movie Taken, a <laughs> film about abduction, oh, was man. conducted. There were two searches related to Amber Alerts on a computer at Carly's place of employment, including one regarding the maximum age of an Amber Alert. There were other searches on Carly's phone that appeared to shed some light on her mindset, but out of respect for her privacy. Out of respect for her privacy. There's other searches out of respect for privacy that they didn't want to reveal. And made her get undressed, 
She believes they took pictures of her, but she does not remember them having any physical or sexual contact. You don't she remember. She stated the next day she woke up <laughs> and was fed cheese crackers by the female. She said the woman also played with her hair, but could not remember anything else. At some point, she was put back in a vehicle she claims was able to escape while it was in the West Hoover area. She told detectives she ran through lots of woods until she came out near her residence. During this interview, detectives noted that Carly had a small injury to her lip and she claimed that her head was hurting. She also had a tear on her shirt. Detectives also noted that she had $107 cash in her right sock. Out of respect for Carly and her family, Detectives did not press for additional information in this interview and made plans to speak with her in detail after. Yeah, so I, this is a lot of the information is sketchy as hell. And it, like I said, it's very unfortunate because of the many missing black women and children that is out here still to this day for this situation to happen. And you have this this. We've never seen this type of coverage over a missing black woman before. And for it to turn out to be fake, which we don't know for sure yet, but it's looking like that's what it is. And it was an emotional situation for her. If you want to believe the situation from the first clip with her boyfriend and all that other stuff. But let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's be honest with with ourselves. We've all been in situations where we've either experienced it from another source or we've been the person who actually been so wrapped up into our emotions where we've done some irrational things to get the attention of our ex or the person that we're in a relationship with or our family or something like that. Shoot, we've seen it in movies. Like the, the first thing that's coming to my mind right now is Thin Line Between Love and Hate. When um Ma ain't want to be with uh Lynn Whitfield no more, she started beating herself in the face with that uh orange in the sock, and she ended up in the hospital and all that other stuff. Like we, like we we know these things can happen. Seriously, we know these things can happen. I know it's a lot of people who were defending her from jump, and I get that, I understand that, and you know, and and I'm not sitting here saying that I was defending from jump, but I was I was. I was emotionally involved into the situation because I'm looking at like, okay, we're finally in a situation now where there's a, a missing or an abducted black woman and it's getting the coverage that it deserved. But for it to turn out to be fake or having all these sketchy information, it's just it's just putting us back in the same situation where we've been from, where they ain't going to give a fuck about no, no black woman or no black child or whatever being... Um, abducted or missing it's sad you know what i'm saying and this this speaks to a lot of the things i talk about is minority mental health month and people's emotional immaturity and stuff like that and people not knowing how to understand or control their emotions and stuff like this and and being in irrational or desperate situation, putting themselves in irrational or desperate situations in order to be seen or to be heard or whatever. So, uh, it, it sucks that 
you know what I'm saying, this is all turning out to be fake, but at the same time, being a mental health advocate, like, I'm sitting here like, she need help. She need help. Um, and this is further evidence that a lot of us in the black community need mental um we need help mentally we uh we need to start having more conversations about mental health and the importance of it and getting more mentally mature and stuff like that you know and just figuring out you know how to actually handle our emotions when we're in situations that we aren't used to i mean like this this is this stuff is getting out of hand like this situation is is getting out of hand like and like it's almost to the point where like why now why why now and why this situation after all the black women who have who have gone missing and been abducted and children and stuff like that that why this situation got so much um attention as opposed to the other ones what can we do what can we learn from this situation so when some other black woman or black child or black man is missing or abducted, what can we do to make it that every time we are presented with this situation, whether it's a lie or not, that we can pull together and get this type of attention so that, you know what I'm saying, these situations can be resolved. But it's just an unfortunate situation, man, and I hate that this is happening, but, I mean, what can you do? Uh, I'm going to end it here. It's a Taste to Consider podcast. Make sure you um, download Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, YouTube. You like, share, all that good stuff. This is episode 99. Episode 100 will be coming two weeks from now. I will not be recording next week. So this episode is went over the two hour mark. You got two weeks to listen to this episode. Make sure you support me. Um, Taste to Consider Network on Instagram. Um, it's tied to my main page. Like, share, comment, um, download um, the YouTube, subscribe, all that other good stuff. Excuse me, burp number t- nine and ten. Make sure you, you know, um, keep supporting me. Keep listening. I appreciate all of y'all. I appreciate the commentary, the comments, the DMs, and all that other stuff. Continue to bring that to me, you know what I'm saying, whether you agree with me or not, you know what I'm saying. Holler at me. And the episode, 100, 100 episode is coming, and um, I'm excited about it. I hope you're all ready for it, you know what I'm saying. I got a good show ready. I appreciate all y'all. It's a Taste to Consider podcast. I am out of here. Now I got to go find something to eat. It's about to be 10 o'clock. I am Chipotle closed. <laughs>